how are you able to punch back? I mean, our team's relentless. Uh, we had great performances uh, by Austin Grouse on the mound, and uh, our offense just keeps going. We pass it along one guy to the next guy. We had 19 hits yesterday. We had another 19 today. The Bulls offense is uh, it's bar to none. We compete, and uh, that's what we do. We get things rolling. We pass it to the next guy. Line drive by Bettencourt. That ball's hit well to left center field. It's got some carry. It's gone. Rafael Bettencourt. Lines that ball. Oh, Grouse catches it. That was good defense. One and two to Monkey. Oh, and he smashes that ball. The wind could help in this situation. Plumlee is so fast, but he's not going to get there. Stone off the eighth. Oh, Marcus Cornell starts it in style. Lines it deep to right, and that is out of here. Five in the ninth, and that is a chopper that scoots through the middle. Two runs will score. It's nine to seven. Rosenblum having a day. Down two. Mayo lines that one, and that could get down. It does. They're going to go ahead and send home the next run, and it's nine to eight. Rodell scores easily, and this is unbelievable. Five straight hits for the Bulls. Tied now. Aaron Snow lines it, hits the first base back. That's a lead for the Bulls right there. Mayo will come home easily, and it's ten to nine. Eric Snow whacked it off the first base back. A huge RBI knock. Here's going from first. Brutcher drives it through the right side of the infield. Here's another run for you. An RBI single. And it's 11-9. Two away. Curveball over to second base. Bobby Bozer fields it. Throws the first and the Bulls win it. Welcome to the It's Brewing at McEwen podcast. I'm here with my co-hosts, John Kaplan, Adam Cartwright, my brother, Matt Giardino. Uh, we're kind of here to talk about the fall of USF baseball. Um, I got out to see a couple scrimmages. Um, John and Adam each saw one. Um, so we're going to kind of fill you in on some things that we saw during the fall. We're going to talk about the upcoming season and the roster. Um, there's a lot of new players. Uh, also going into a new a conference that has five new teams. Uh, three teams from last year are gone. Um, so that's going to be interesting as well. And then kind of looking ahead to opening weekend, which has not been officially announced through USF channels, but it has officially been announced through other schools. And we'll get into that as well. And then we kind of just want to look ahead to the rest of the season as well. So we got a good show ahead. So stay tuned and we'll get into it. So the first thing I uh, just want to talk about observations from what we were able to see during the fall. Um, obviously not every player on the roster was healthy, but we did get to see a good amount of players. Uh, we have 46 guys on the roster and I want to say roughly 35, 38 players were able to play. Um, so with that, I'll kind of kick it to, to Adam who had an opportunity to see one of the scrimmages. Absolutely. Look, I think we had a, I think we had a great fall camp when you, when you put everything together, we, we went over to Stetson, a pretty good program overall. We, we put up a lot of runs. We were able to kind of, kind of hold them as, as well, uh, like I said, it was a pretty dominating uh, uh, performance by, especially at the plate. Uh, you know, the green and gold scrimmages went well. I think we kind of, like you said, we didn't get to see everybody, but I think we got to saw a lot of good things. We saw Brutch kind of kind of continue to pick up where he's left off. We're hoping that keeps going. Uh, we've talked about it in, in some podcasts before, but Matt Rose kind of stepping up and kind of placing his, his name into that, 
know, penciled in starting lineup. So that was nice to see. But uh, like I said, overall, just a lot of good things. Um, you know, just interesting to see what everybody else saw. Yeah, John, uh, when you made it out to, to fall camp, uh, what were your kind of takeaways or things you kind of saw? Um, it was a pretty, pretty entertaining day. I uh, got to see, if I think, three good innings from Brown. Um, I'd like to see if uh, he can clean up his control issues because he actually had some pretty, pretty decent stuff out there um, and got to see some familiar faces like uh, Tanner uh, had a clean fifth inning um, and uh, I will echo the Matt Rose um, revival kind of he he's hitting the ball he's playing good defense and um and uh Monke had uh he had I think he went over three when I was there but they're they were really loud outs he was um he was having really good at bats so um there's a lot, a lot of offense at the game that I was at so it was good to see us hitting the ball and um <laughs> uh with Drew starting for one of the squads on the mound that was definitely entertaining to see he was throwing seeds out there so it was pretty cool nice yeah i I actually got to see uh drew britcher pitch as well uh which is something that i've always been intrigued by i'm sure everybody else on the on the show as well um adam you actually have had a little little background um with with drew um you saw him in high school? Yeah. Yeah, I actually got to coach against Drew when he was in high school at, at Lakeland uh, in, a, in a preseason tournament. And uh, you, you saw everything we're seeing now. Uh, I don't <laughs> I don't think he, he shocked anybody when he stepped on, on campus and, and started hitting the way he did. Um, he certainly didn't certainly didn't shock me after that night. Uh, but you could definitely see kind of the, the – we, we didn't get to see him pitch that night, but you could see the raw ability and what he had and kind of the frame he had then still – six five you know over 200 pounds he wasn't far off from 200 pounds then um and so like you said just that that intrigue you know we heard about it that night man you see him on the mound you see him on the mound and so i've definitely wanted to see that i didn't get to see that video uh but i am i'm happy as a fan just straight up as a fan i'm excited i'm happy that he got a couple of opportunities out there i don't want it to be a joke we need i want to see it happen um so I, yeah, awesome. <laughs> yeah, so I'll I'll speak a little to it as well. I mean, I saw him pitch in the Green and Gold World Series, and you could tell that he's easing back into pitching. I think he really hasn't done it since high school. Um, but the sky is the limit for him when he's on the mound with his frame at, you know, six foot six, uh, two hundred pounds. You know, I saw he, he mostly was just throwing fastballs, uh, as to be expected when you're just coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, he's reportedly sitting in the high 80s low 90s um just coming back and not really even training for pitching yet so if this is something that he takes i guess more seriously where that's like this is what he wants to do in the spring in addition to it i think he could really turn some heads and surprise some people because you know he spent three years in college ball already and never set the amount that i know of Absolutely. So. <laughs> I think that's key, too, is what you said, is if he wants to. And I think if he wants to, if, this is, if it's something that he wants to do, I think he, he's earned it and he deserves that opportunity. Uh, and I would love to see it happen, you know. Yeah, for sure. And when we're on the topic of Drew Butcher, I want to mention a, a newcomer to the Bulls that 
kind of reminds me of Drew Butcher, although he's not a position player. He's actually a pitcher. Uh, it's a true freshman um, from from Longwood, Florida, Orlando area. Uh, Logan Beavis. Um, he is a six foot six, two hundred and twenty pound freshman right-handed pitcher who I got to watch pitch twice actually this fall. And uh, man, he really is impressive. Um, he was a really highly touted recruit coming out of high school up to 95, 96 in high school. Um, but to see him pitch in person, I saw him in one of the games, start the game, pitch three innings, I believe, of shutout. It may have even been no-hit ball. Um, and his, the only thing that was maybe just a little bit to clean up was his control a little bit. But in terms of the, the stuff and his ability to – to, to look like a pitcher out there. I mean, he looks like someone, a well-seasoned pitcher who probably could be pitching in pro ball, but um, it's nice to see that he chose the college route to further, further develop. Um, so, you know, he's, he's the guy that I don't have penciled into the starting rotation right now. I think what we're going to, we're going to get into that. I think we have enough starting pitching newcomers. I mean, starting pitching returners that we do have a, projectable starting rotation for the season, but it wouldn't surprise me one bit if if Logan Beavis uh crept his way in there. I think the did did high school Longwood. Uh Montvert Montvert Academy, which is actually oh, okay. the yeah. same high school that uh Francisco Lindor played at. So yeah. it's interesting. Okay. Very very good baseball program there. But I think the phrase that comes to mind when I look at Leo Logan is just he has the it factor. Like, just like you talked about, he just he stands on the mound and he looks like he belongs there, and that's important. <laughs> yeah, it goes it goes a long way for sure. Um, yeah, so I'm we're excited to see what he could do, and uh, just jumping back into that's what they used to tell me back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> so so we so we kind of um, kind of shared some things we saw in the fall. Um, yeah, so I got to see the last game of the Green and Gold World Series. The, the winning team of the Green and Gold World Series, they won by – they did, like, cum- cumulative runs. Um, so it was, like, the the amount of – the run scored over three games. And I think the winning team won by, like, ten. Um, so it was, it was pretty competitive each day, but there was one team that definitely pulled away. Um, so now we kind of shared some things we saw in the fall. Um, we just kind of wanted to talk a little bit more about the roster – and, and some of the newcomers on the roster. Um, so I'll, I'll kick it over to Matt. Um, Matt, is there anybody that's a newcomer on the roster that you're particularly excited about? Yeah, so uh, in terms of, uh, you know, the overall roster makeup, I really think that the coaching staff did a good job of going out and finding the pieces that, you know, I think were missing that last year, um, you know, going out and getting some pitchers, whether it be from – Juco or from Division One, uh, also you know got some uh, good outfielders from Juco as well. So overall, I think we uh, really filled a lot of missing pieces that we were missing from last year. And uh, but in terms of you know newcomers that I'm excited about, obviously you guys talked about Logan Davis and pretty big extent, um, but really excited to see him. Uh, also really excited to see what Cole Robertson and Jaden Ross can do. Both guys are, you know, really speedy athletes. They also hit for contact. Uh, really excited to see what they could do at the next level. 
Yeah, and then besides that, uh, really excited to get a Division One transfer from uh, UNF uh, to fill out the weekend rotation in Dominic Badana. He's shown uh, some really good control this fall camp, and uh, I think he's somebody that will really lock down and secure that that uh, rotation. Yeah. So, um, so Adam, are there any newcomers that uh, you think are, are intriguing? Yeah, uh, the, in the game I got to watch in the Green and Gold series, uh, we had a catcher. I think he also plays first. Uh, his name's Matt Buffington. I uh, had a real good swing, made made some real good contact, and in, in a couple of the bats I got to see. Like I said, he caught that game. Thought he did pretty well behind the plate. He played first, I think, in another game. So there's some versatility there. Uh, you know, catcher's one of those positions where injuries are probably going to happen. So having a third one that, that can do different things, even though the first two can do different things as well. Uh, like I said, I'm, it'd be interesting to see how he, how he can play into the lineup. Yeah, he's an interesting story. Um, he actually played two years of JUCO um, in Kansas. He's actually from Kansas. And he he actually put up really good numbers uh, at his JUCO uh, hitting-wise. But I believe he just came to USF and walked on the team. I heard he was a walk-on. Uh, hmm. So that's pretty impressive to do. doesn't really happen a lot with baseball, with, the, with our team that I've seen. And but I saw him twice play in the fall as well, and uh, he he really impressed me. He just has really good presence. Uh, he seems like he belongs out there. Um, he seems like a kind of guy that could be a leader as well. And uh, I really like his swing, like you said, Adam. I think he he's a good hitter. Um, showed off a good arm. I saw him throw somebody out trying to steal. So he's he's definitely a going to be a factor, I think, for this season, especially for depth, mm-hmm. especially at a position where you need depth. Yeah. Um, anything else to add, um, John or Matt? Um, I haven't, I haven't gotten to see Madonna pitch and pressing yet, but um, <clears throat> it's it, it's I'm intrigued by the control factor or the piece that he's coming with experience and he can uh, pitch with control. You know, because for a team that had I think it was 206 walks last year. Um, it's definitely something that has plagued us in the past and I would like to see us clean that up in the future. I think that things would become a lot easier if we could pitch in the strike zone. For sure. Yeah. I saw, I saw Dominic Madonna pitch, um, this fall, I saw him start and he was effective as a starting pitcher, which is what he did at UNF. I mean, he played four years at UNF. Uh, he comes to USF as, as a redshirt senior with one year of eligibility um, last year for UNF, he was a, a weekend starting pitcher. He had an eight and three record. Um, he, he ate up a lot of innings for them. And when I saw him pitch, it, it's kind of like you said, John, it, what's going to make him successful is his control. Um, he, he walks about two per two, two per nine innings or less. Um, and he's not really going to overwhelm anybody, um, but he's just going to be crafty and get people out. So I, I could really see him eating innings and being being an effective weekend pitcher for us. And then also, I think one other newcomer that I thought was kind of interesting was uh, the, well, the first scrimmage that I went to, I could tell that they're running the first string versus second string. And so what they what they do in those situations is they take the kind of like the higher ranked pitchers on the depth chart and put them against the starting projected starting lineup. And then the lower ranked pitchers on the depth chart versus kind of the uh, lower ranked position players on the depth chart. 
And what was interesting that day was a true freshman outfielder was actually on the first string um, batting order. And that was actually Jake Richardson, who's a uh, freshman outfielder from from Melbourne, Florida. Uh, he went to Melbourne High School. Um, he's a right-handed hitter. Um, from what I could tell, I think what maybe one of the reasons that he did work himself in with the first string is he's very athletic. Uh, I think he's going to cover a lot of ground in the outfield. And you could tell that he, he's going to be a hitter that's going to compete in the in the box and hit for contact. And he might even have some power that, that I didn't get to see, but definitely seems like a guy that's going to be give you competitive at-bats and could potentially do that as, as a true freshman. And I think his defense will really, really play as well. Um, so that'll be interesting to see if he actually does get some opportunities to play as a true freshman. But from what I saw in the fall, I think that that definitely bodes well. Can I jump in real yeah, quick? Go, go for it, yeah. I want to give Richardson a shout out because he had one of the craziest. I just remembered he it was like full extension layout to in in the inning, and it was just he got up and it was like everyday stuff for him. But like it was both. I think both center fielders that day had it was like they went back to back almost, but just crazy web gym defensive plays. But wanted to echo your sentiment on Richardson being athletic on on all both sides of the plate because it was one of the best plays I've ever seen made in my entire life. And I mean that it was nuts. Wow. Yeah. And, and speaking of athletic plays, I'll, I'll also give, give a shout out to uh, another observation I had from the fall, uh, true freshman shortstop. This was during the green and gold, green and gold world series. Um, Sean Andrade is the, true freshman from uh, St. John's, Florida. He went to St. John's Country Day High School. Um, he's been committed to USF for a while, and it was cool to actually see him on campus. And uh, he had a crazy play at shortstop where he, full extension, dove to his left towards second base, um, jumped right up, made an amazing throw. Um, he's very athletic, uh, true freshman. So I know we have a lot of, um, you know, strong starting returners at shortstop, as we all know, um, but he's definitely exciting for the future of the Bulls. So now we've kind of talked about some newcomers to the roster. Maybe we can kind of shore up the whole kind of roster conversation, just thinking about what do we think based on what we saw in the fall um, and, and just based on what we saw last year, what what this starting um, – starting nine in the in the field could potentially look like um adam I'll, I'll let you kind of talk speak to that well i mean i think we got to me i think yeah. there's two positions on the field right now i think you could probably write in pen uh, and that's right field and shortstop i think uh reigning defending defensive player of the year doesn't get bumped off his position uh and i don't i don't think drew brutcher gets moved out of right field by anybody uh other than that, I think you've got some a lot of places you're going to pencil some guys in, like Bedencourt. Um, I'm putting Rose in there just based off what I've seen. Uh, but the interesting part comes with our Mr. Utility Swiss Army Knife, Bobby Bozer. And for me, the question becomes, how many positions do we see him play this season? Uh, we've seen him play second. We've seen him play short. We've seen him play center. We've seen him play third. And he, you know, he played it. I want to say he may have gotten all seven positions in uh over the over the summer 
for his Cape Cod League. Um, he just he offers a lot of versatility, and I know Mo likes that. He offers a lot of ways to get a lot of different hitters uh, into the lineup uh, via that second base, just being able to put him in a different position and give somebody else a new opportunity. Uh, injuries come up, even more valuable to have somebody that can just kind of plug and play. Um, but, the, yeah, I mean, it's kind of what I've got right now. I'm just really interested to see what we do uh, with that weapon. Yeah, I think I, I agree. And from what I saw Bobby play in the fall, I saw him play second base. And I think there are some good things about that, being in the middle of the field. He can kind of use his range going both to his left and to his right, um, whereas third base might kind of pin him a little more in a corner. But um, So I, I could see him staying in the middle infield. But like you said, they're going to use him wherever they feel like it's going to help them win that, win that particular game that day. Um, but yeah, I think Eric Eric Snow is absolutely locked in the shortstop, and Drew Butcher is locked in the right field. And I think, I think I really think that the the center field and the left field, I think that's that those are in a way a wide open race. If you honestly, if you consider the fact that you know Jackson Mayo is a is a strong returning player who has showcased a lot of power over his two years at USF. Um, he still wants to put together, I think, a fully consistent season, and he could do that this year. But there's a lot of guys that could also jockey for that position as well. I mean, um, the two newcomers from JUCO that we kind of mentioned, Jaden Ross and Cole Robertson, are athletic outfielders that are both juniors. Jake Richardson, the freshman I just spoke about. Um, Marcus Brodell is a returning player outfielder as well who we did not get to see during fall because of injury, but he's actually going to be healthy for January. Um, so there's the outfield playing time, I think is going to be very fluid besides Drew Butcher. I think it's going to be very competitive and you're going to see probably a lot of different guys cycle through left field, center field until someone really stakes their claim, I think is how I'm projecting the outfield. Um, but any, any other kind of takeaways on the, on the position player group? I think, um, the two positions that are going to be interesting to see who we run out there opening weekend and into the non-conference schedule are left field and, um, the catcher, uh, catcher position, because, um, I would like to see, uh, better, defensive play from our catcher position. Um, we haven't really gotten great play defensively from that position, but uh, I will say that one player who can provide on both sides of the plate, um, who I got to actually see catch uh, when I went out this fall was Ben Rosenblum. So I'm, I'm hoping that he can, you know, man that position and continue because he had a, a a couple of really nice putouts. Um, the game that I was out, I was out there and was able to see. But um, I feel as though, like y'all said, right field is locked in. I feel like center fielder. I feel like he's going to go to the most athletic on the roster. So I feel like left field is just going to be the position where you're going to see some you know, rotation, kind of like we saw with, uh, I think it was Brodeal and, um, who was it, Brodeal and Mayo last year, or 
uh, two years ago. They yeah, would just yeah. kind of like flip flop, you know, plug and play at the left field position. But I, th- I feel as though uh, I, I think Bozer in center field provides the most stability, to be honest. That, that certainly is is definitely possible, and like like we said, I think he's. I think we're gonna see him in a lot of different a lot of different spots. Um, I think, but any opportunity yeah. where you put him on the field where he has opportunity to run in both directions and showcase his range, I think is is a good thing. Definitely allows Mo to play the hot hand in the lineup. For sure, for sure. So then I, I hope Monk keeps going though too because even when I saw him, like I said, he I think he went over three, but it was a very loud over three. Like he was he was hitting the ball well, and he's just mm-hmm. continuously gotten better. So I would love to see one of the homegrown guys who's just been there for a minute, you know, get a shot too. It's I mean you got to play the hot hand. And, yeah, and I mean, one thing I'll say. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say Monke. I think is somebody who is obviously either the first or second catcher and. Also, is somebody that's going to be a plug and play for left field or DH as well. So that'll be interesting. One, or even first base. One thing I like about Monkey too is he is a good DH. And, and that's something to say because there's a lot of players who, there's a lot of standing around in baseball. And there's even much more standing around if you're having to sit in the dugout for half the, you know, half the game. Uh, and and your, your only involvement is when you get those three at bats. Uh, that's hard to do as a hitter. It's hard to stay really locked in when you're not able to go out and, and, and continue playing and, and, and do that. But And so because he's able to do that, he's got some big hits as a DH in his career. I think that's got some value. Um, whether or not he's the first or second catcher, I don't know. Whether or not he even plays catcher this year. Like you said, maybe he finds a spot in left field and kind of works in that rotation. But I think we'll see him in DH because I think he's a very valuable DH. Yeah, that's a good point. I think his experience and the fact that he has DH before is something that we'll definitely look at. And um, so that, that that will be interesting for sure. Any other takeaways on the position group? One other thing I want to say about the position group is um, the fact that Rafael Betancourt returns. Um, he was a true freshman last year and he got an opportunity to get into a game uh, like middle of the season and just got multiple hits and did that several days in a row and just never looked back. And he ended up being one of the best hitters for the Bulls. Um, I think he batted close to 300, um, showed some power and some plate discipline as well. Pretty so, athletic person as well. Yeah. And he, he did not get to play this fall. Uh, he had an injury during the fall, but he is expected to be fully healthy for the spring. So it's somebody that we haven't really spoken about much because we didn't see him in the fall. But he's going to be, to me, uh, to me, he projects to be an everyday starter based on the way that he finished last year. And I think that that would be a first base type of deal. First base, DH, um, is where I'm thinking. So maybe even third. I think that's even a possibility for him. He's a switch hitter, isn't he? He has a switch hitter, and he's yeah. effective from both sides of the plate. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be fun. Yeah, so that puts that, that helps Watch. you. I can't wait to see how he continues. Yeah, that helps you play every day as well when you're a switch. You don't have to worry about matchups. Um, so, yeah, let's jump into the uh, pitching rotation real quick. I think that's an interesting interesting topic. And we, we already mentioned some pitchers. Um, <clears throat> Matt, if you had to – 
project what you think the opening weekend rotation would be just based off what you know right now? What do you, what do you think it would be, Matt? Uh, in any particular order? or Friday, um, Nah, I would just say these are the, my three weekend starters as my midweek. Uh, you, you know who's one, two, three. <laughs> I would say that my uh, one, two, three would be uh, Siebert, Gailey, and uh, Madonna. Okay. Interesting. So where would yeah. you have uh, Hunter Mink? So I would actually have Hunter Mink at the back end of the bullpen closing out games. Hmm. Um, and the reason why I say that, and it might be controversial, is uh, you know I, I think that with Gailey and especially Madonna, they're uh, both you know contact pitchers. And I think with the fact that our defense is as strong as it is, I think that they'll be able to go extensively into ball games. I'm talking consistently six to seven innings where, you know, I, I think Hunter has that ability, but he also has that velo and he has, you know, the off speed stuff too, to really make an impact in the back end of the bullpen. And with Siebert, you know, he's just a dog. He's, he's going to eat up innings. He's going to have those games every now and then where he goes eight innings and, and shuts out the other team. Um, but I really like those three in terms of, you know, giving us the most amount of innings and being effective as they're doing it as well. Any reaction to that, guys? I think we're all reacting to it. <laughs> I, I think it's I'll a in, I think it's an interesting take. Um, I think it's a, it's a point that I hadn't even thought of, Matt, is Lawson Gailey really is an, an innings eater. <laughs> Um, he probably is like he needs a young, to get the pitch countdown. He's he's like he, a young, what's that? He needs to get the pitch countdown. No, he does have a low pitch count. That's why I think is the one thing about about him that is the most effective thing about him is his pace <laughs> efficiency. Yes, uh, he his innings are quick. When he's when he's on, it's like you know it's two pitches and there's an out. Three pitches, there's an out. I think I think that's what Matt's trying to say is like he consistently went five innings last year and pitched 57 pitches, 58 pitches. Yeah. The only problem with him last year was if he was left in too long, his efficiency would go away. Um, but, you know, he's had an entire off season. If he's built up his arm and gotten in better, you know, condition, I mean, maybe he is going to be a six, seven inning eater now instead of a four or five inning eater. Um, that would be, that would be pretty big. And, I would love that. Yeah, that would be big. And then I think, I think the point about Hunter Mink is interesting. I mean, maybe his, maybe, I'm not saying for sure, maybe his long-term upside as maybe even as a professional prospect might be to be a dominant back-end guy like the way that Kirkering is. I mean, he does have high velocity and high spin, so it's possible that that's the route he goes. But he also has three pitches, and he's like a starting pitcher, at his core as well. So it's hard for me to see him not being a starting pitcher. Um, but who knows? You know, season hasn't come around yet. We'll we'll see how, how it lines up. But I think that's definitely an interesting, interesting take. Well, I mean, you can make arguments for both because we've seen both. You know, that's true. we've gotten that's true. We all fell in love with Hunter as our as a closer, and then he, he became a starter and continued to put on statistically and like on a performance level, he was one of our most dependable starters. So like you could easily make an argument 
for both. But um, when when Matt started saying back end of the rotation, like I've kind of secretly always felt the same. Um, but he just continuously just put on great performances. Like we would not have had the tournament that we had without Hunter. And, and that was just one of his many great performances um, of, of last season. And I'm, I'm so grateful we're getting him back, but it's like, where can we utilize him best? Where, where do games fall apart for us most? You know, where can we put him in a position to do the most good for us on a broad level and also do the most for him uh, in terms of getting seen by scouts and coverage and all that to put him in a good position for the draft? Yeah, I agree. I think that's to be seen, but I think either way it could be successful. I'm just not sure what the best route is. I agree. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, thinking about – some dark horses for the rotation. I think we've already talked about uh, Logan Beavis is a guy that certainly could claim one of those four starting spots. Um, and uh, Matt Brown, uh, John mentioned him earlier that you saw him in the fall. Um, he's a guy that was a starting pitcher at St. Pete College, a competitive, competitive community college here in Florida. Started every game last season, um, was pretty effective, uh, sh- struck out more than a batter per inning, which means, you know, he's a he's the kind of guy that's he's got stuff, but he's also has good control. Um, so at least from his stats last year. Um, so he's, he's a dark horse to me as someone that can maybe start some midweek games and maybe work his way into a bigger role. Um, I think Beavis might start some midweeks, potentially weekends. But other other than that, I think I think for the most part we're looking at you know who who besides that who's going to be the high leverage relief pitchers, who are you going to count on as a closer setup man? I think that's really um, going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. Um, one thing I would say about that is I think somebody that I saw take a big step forward in the fall is Chandler Dorsey, and he did get some opportunities as a true freshman last year. Uh, out of uh, Lakeland, Florida, George George Jenkins High School. Um, he had some opportunities like against the Gators where he was a setup man in that game and we won that game in Gainesville and he was effective. But, you know, he also had some freshman moments where he was just kind of getting his feet wet. But, I mean, he's a really big guy. He's 6'4", 210, and he throws up to 97 miles an hour. So he can be a very effective setup man or closer, especially the way I saw him pitch this fall. He looked way more better, way, way better with his control than he did last year. So that's, that's for me, somebody I think will be a high leverage relief pitcher. Um, any other thoughts on, on high leverage relief innings from John or Adam? Or um, I want to, I, I want to uh, keep it on the starting pitching for a minute. Okay. Um, Mark and Adam, and I, I'll give you my answer after. Um, you're you're pitching against UCF. Who are your one, two, and three pitchers, starting pitchers? Who are you rolling out Friday, Saturday, Sunday? As of right now, with what we know, it's limited, but you have to give me three. I think I think you roll out Jack Seabird on Friday, um, Hunter Mink on Saturday. And Dominic Madonna on Sunday. Um, I think Jack Siebert was an all-conference starting pitcher for the Bulls last year. It's the only returning player that did that. So he's obviously 
the front runner for Friday. Um, Hunter Mink is a fifth-year senior that's shown he can be an effective starter, and he's he's going to present issues for the other offense in terms of how well he can spin it and his velocity. Um, as long as he pitches like to his ability, he's absolutely a front and weekend guy. His only issue is when he hasn't pitched to his potential, but his potential is front, front, front end weekend guy, if that makes sense. Um, and I think Dominic Madonna to me feels like a great Sunday starter. He's not gonna overwhelm the other team with crazy power pitches, but he's just gonna get them out. And I think he's a great, a great Sunday pitcher. I think you can even put him on Saturday to kind of sandwich him in between two of our more powerful starters. Um, so that that could be interesting as well. Um, but yeah, that's what I would do. Hmm. Well, I think I think Siebert is the the unanimous choice here for the Friday night. I mean, he earned that last season, uh, just with how he how he performed there at the end, especially. Um Saturday, I think I lean towards experience and I go Hunter Mink. Um like I said, just just based on what we know right now, we, don't, we haven't really seen kind of adjustments made. Um, but I'll just go with that. And then Sunday, you know, I'm just going to be willing to wear a pal on my face if this doesn't work out. But I think Sunday is Logan Beavis. Uh, I think he works his way into the end of the lineup. I just I loved what I saw in that green and gold. You see the frame, 6'6", 220. Uh, you know why he was getting recruited. You know the stuff's there. You're, you know, he was recruited into the draft, uh, scouted, not recruited. Um, you just see it. I, I think it plays. I don't – I think Mole's going to transition him from high school to college very well uh, by the time we get to the spring. Maybe it's not, you know, if UCF's week one, you know, maybe it's not, but I, I just think we're going to see him break his way into that weekend rotation very early. Like I said, I, I'll be wrong. I'll wear it, but that's, that's what I, that's where I'm at. If if you're going to gonna go down on, on, on a projection, I think that's a good one, uh, <laughs> just because the upside is very high on that one for sure. Um, you know, he Coach Mould does have a track record of being able to get like a highly recruited freshman into the starting rotation right away. He did do that with Jack Jasiak when Jack Jasiak came out of Springstead, Spring Hill. And he was immediately, actually, I think he was immediately like the leading starting pitcher. I think he was like the Friday guy, which is crazy for a true freshman. And Jack was obviously special, but I think uh, Logan is as well. So it's a good, it's a good projection. Um, so, so we'll see, but uh, I, I, I want to kick it to the, the, the high end relief, the setup closer kind of roles, and that'll kind of recap, re kind of, kind of put us, push us into our last segment. So um, if anybody has any thoughts on uh, back end, feel free to share. Yeah. I'm excited about, you know, seeing Joey Bellini really excited that, He's back off of uh, Tommy John surgery. Really uh, showed a lot in his freshman year, and you know, a lot of times people come back from from Tommy John surgery, and uh, you know, they pick up some velocity because they've had some time to rehab and work out, and 
uh, really excited to see that um, talent come to fruition this year. Any other thoughts on uh, setup man closer <clears throat> potential? Um, I would also kind of echo the sentiment of uh, Vellini holding a pretty large role for us. Um, we got a small sample size of what he could do his first year out, and then he had to he had the Tommy John, but um, he's crafty and he's got natural velocity. He he's um he works he works the corners well um he's like um how what's the word i'm looking for like he when he's a little bit off the edges that's exactly where he wants to live because he has so much life on all of his pitches and um i think that you could see him holding a similar role that we see with um tanner mink in like mid to late innings depending on who they have coming up, if it makes more sense for us to put out a lefty or a righty, I think he's going to be probably the first lefty that we go to. Um, we were talking about this earlier. We were, we really don't have many uh, left-handed options out of the bullpen. So we're really going to be depending on him in some mid to high leverage situations. So I, I think that, uh, I think that he answers that calling card though. Like he's, he's a gamer. I really love Bellini and I, I'm excited to see him bounce back from the Tommy John. For sure. Yeah, and just yeah. to wrap up too, I, I'm excited to see uh, you know, what Corey Kling can do as a freshman. Um we you know, we've seen some uh videotapes out of high school and what he can do. And I think uh, you know, he has a opportunity to to take on a, a bigger role than um, you know, we would even expect him to take on early on in his uh USF career. Yeah, I mean, the, the writer from D1 Baseball was out at game one of the Green and Gold World Series, and I think Corey Kling was actually starting that. Uh, Corey Kling is a freshman from Delray Beach, West Boca Raton High School. Um, he he started uh, game one of the Green and Gold World Series for one of the two teams, and um, the writer from D1, I think it was Joe Healy, mentioned that um, Kling looks athletic on the mound. And, and shows shows a lot of promise. Um, obviously, we have a lot of starting pitchers, so maybe his initial role as a freshman might be to chip in some some relief innings. But uh, we'll see how that progresses for sure. Um, any any thoughts on the on the bullpen, Adam? Yeah, I mean, you just when you look at our roster right now, depending on how the injuries play out, I mean, you could look at Joey Vellini and Kyle Scrape and say, you know part of our success can depend on one of those two being very successful because that's all we got in terms of left-handers out of, out of the pen and really left-handers in general. All, all the guys we got kind of penciled in as starters are righties. And so just left-handed pitching in general seems like it's kind of lack for us. So you, you really, really want to see Valini or like I said, even Scrape kind of step up and, and really be a bullpen left-handed arm for us. And I think that could really go a long way. Uh, secondly, and edit this out if it gets it's too political or anything but Valini's from Jesuit is he not yeah 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 we don't maybe I'm wrong but we don't get a lot of kids from Jesuit and I, it baffles me because they're just this nationally recognized uh you know high school in our backyard and uh, you know I'm not saying it's it's anybody's fault or here nor there, but it just seems like we don't really get a lot of kids for them to come and I want to see Valini come and be successful and hopefully kind of open up some more connections that, you know, for those kids to go, Hey, yeah, I'll, I'll stay home, you know, and do this. Um, so again, you know, you want to see him, you want to see him do well. I did spend a year coaching a Jesuit, go Tigers. 
<laughs> nice. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, they are a local baseball powerhouse. Though I think one thing I'd say about that school is sometimes like you get like five or four, four, four or five, four or five seniors go to the draft. Um, yeah, so there's, there's a lot hard. of competition. Yeah, it's almost hard to get them on campus. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's a good point. Um, but also, yeah, you mentioned Kyle Scrape and he's a left handed senior. Uh, it's gonna be his first year with USF. He's transferring in from Old Dominion University. Um, but he was originally from Tampa. Um, he's a lefty, like you mentioned. One of only two healthy left-handed pitchers during the fall. Um, so hopefully we can get a couple of the injured lefties from the fall, which was Corbin Little and Austin Waring. Um, hopefully one of them or two can, can come back for the spring. But right now we have two healthy left-handed pitchers. Um, but I did see Kyle Scrape pitch in the fall, and I like what I saw from him. I think he has really good control, and he has a nice curveball. And and being able to place that with the effect of the spin he has on the curveball, I think he'll be an effective uh, against lefties and even against righties. He can he can be effective in both against both, but especially like as a lefty specialist, I think he'll he'll be really good as, as well. Um, last thing I'd say about the bullpen is just a couple names we didn't mention, but well, we did mention earlier Riley Skeen. But Riley Skeen last year, I mean, he played a role as a closer and as a setup man both. And, you know, now he's coming back as a senior. So um, we mentioned earlier, he's just really interesting with his delivery, um, high spin rate on his uh, slider curve hybrid, whatever you want to call that. Um, but he's very hard to hit when he's fully on, when he's having a, a good day. He's almost unhittable. And then Peyton Jula is an uh, interesting new addition. He transfers in. As a fifth-year senior, played four years at Austin P in Tennessee. He's originally from uh, Sarasota, so he's also a Tampa native, Tampa Bay Area native. Um, thing to know about him is I think he's going to be someone that they're hoping to get some high-leverage relief innings from because spin rate on his curveball has been, project- been recorded uh, at 3,000 RPMs or above, which is – really insane um and also his uh stuff rating was top 20 in the country for curveballs um based on some analytics that i saw so i think his only issue has been control if he gets that under if he gets that under wraps um he could have a really big season for the bulls as a new addition but yeah so we kind of have covered the roster pretty in depth um so the last segment i want to do is just think about the upcoming season as a whole. And, uh, you know, we're really only two and a half months away now. Um, The season is going to start on February 16th, 2024. And it's going to be really interesting. The Bulls are going to be hosting the USF Invitational. And there's going to be three teams from out of state. Um, There's going to be three teams that finished in the top 50 in the country an RPI last year. So you're not starting with any cupcakes. Uh, Indiana State, um, they finished number nine in the RPI last year in the country. And they hosted they hosted a regional and made it to a super regional. And then UConn, I think, um, finished, they top, finished top 50 as well. They were in the regional. They were in the Gainesville regional. They were pretty competitive last year. And Louisville, is always a perennial postseason college baseball team. 
still finished in the top 50 despite missing the NCAAs last year. Um, so what do you guys think about the Bulls starting the season with that level of competition? Yeah, well, you have to. You, you have to. Uh, I mean, you got you got to test yourself early. Um, you got to get – I mean, your, your RPI numbers aren't going to grow if you're not going to reach out and challenge and, and play some of these other schools, um, you know, uh, and so I, I think it's great. And I think you go out, you see where you're at early, you make adjustments from there. We're going to have a tough conference schedule. So I don't, I don't really, I, I've never really liked kind of starting off really soft. And so I, 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 I like, I like coming out early and really, really testing yourself and getting a real watermark for where you are as a team. I like that. Any thoughts, Matt? Yeah, I definitely uh, agree with what Adam was saying. And, I think with the uh, Indiana State, I could have sworn they were uh, slated to host a super regional too, but I think they were hosting a uh, on-campus uh, special Olympics event, so they couldn't. Um, so, you know, that just shows you how good of a, a team they are. Uh, really excited to see them, you know, make a visit to our campus, and you know, they return a lot of really good players from last year. And uh, but yeah, like uh, Adam was saying, you really gotta build up your RPI and by having those three come in and those are, you know, three really well-renowned programs. Um, so having that opportunity and, you know, I, I think also at the same time, being able to see right away what, you know, our roster is capable of against good competition, uh, you know, it'll give coach Mola a good understanding of what he has pretty early on in the season. For sure. Any, any thoughts on that, John? I think it kind of builds on last season when we saw um, – well, we had the tournament last season with uh, Charlotte, UConn, and um, Louisville. Louisville. Yeah. Yeah, and <clears throat> I, I believe Louisville to start uh, preseason was ranked number five going into that season. And then UConn and Charlotte are both very good baseball programs, as you all mentioned. But um, So I like the fact that we're doing it again, and we have, like you mentioned uh, – three schools that were all in the RPI top 50, you know, um, that it's going to play into, you know, our, we always kind of get real hype over like the non-conference schedule. Right. But um, with, with the different, with the recent alignment, uh, alignment, like we're going to have some conference opponents that are all going to be um, kind of new and are going to, and present very, very unique challenges like Charlotte, uh, UTSA, FAU, who I believe they're all ranked in the RPI top 80. So, and we've seen, uh, we saw firsthand what Charlotte could do last year. I believe they beat us in the tournament. And then um, I believe FAU, if they didn't sweep us, they took two out of three last year, uh, last year from us, or I don't know if we did. They did, yeah, they did. did we... They did. Was it a three-game set? Or was yeah, it, it was three-game three three set, two? and they took two out of three from us. Yeah, and they were they were just really, really good. Um, yeah. So, <clears throat> also, I mean, teams like Rice are going to be are going to be playing. Uh, I believe they're in our conference now. So, like, I, we're we're gonna. I I have a feeling that we could easily be a top five, if not like a top three conference, in all of baseball for not uh, in, in all of D one baseball for level of competition and it's it's really freaking exciting 
For sure. I think the conference got stronger, actually. Um, adding Way five, stronger. Yeah, adding five teams, three of the new ones, like you mentioned, three of them are RPI top 80. You still have East Carolina, who finished, I think, top 30, top 25. Um, so you got four teams in the top 80. Um, you know, you also added Rice and UAB, who have some pretty good history with baseball. And we still retain um, Tulane, who's the defending conference tournament champion. And you retain Wichita State, who's a solid baseball program. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be competitive. It's going to be challenging. Um, even Memphis is kind of was kind of on the up on the upswing last year. Um, so a new coach too, didn't they? Yeah, new coach. I think he's back for year two. He did a really good job in year one. Um, but uh, but yeah, so. We're excited about that, um, and I think in the coming days we are going to see the full schedule be released. So when that happens, stay tuned. We'll probably do another show to kind of talk about that or any other things that progress um, as we get closer to the season. So we're praying, I'm praying for a weekend against UCF. That would be fun. Did you guys by any chance see that tweet that uh, the baseball? Uh account put out with all the different uh, logos and stuff where they used all the emojis for uh, the logos. Yeah, for the I that. Yes. I, I tried to decipher it a little bit. I mean, I did see two crossing swords. Yeah. So I'm thinking that's UCF. <laughs> I saw a Fox. So that's, that's Marist, I think. Um, so that'd be an early non-conference weekend. I'm guessing. Um, I don't see any Gators or Tomahawks though. I no, I saw the the two shish kebabs, which is uh, Florida State. Oh, okay. Um, or the shish kebab, yeah. Um, I would love to see UCF Florida State in the same uh, non conference slate. We get to beat up on our, our little brother and then go see <laughs> Cantu for a little bit. Oh my goodness, please! <laughs> oh, we would be getting spoiled. That that would be fun, but yeah, the um, it's a good tweet <laughs> that they sent out. Um, somebody actually guessed all the emojis and the USF baseball account responded that he got 21 out of 29, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I see the dolphins. So we're likely playing Jacksonville university, which is cool. They're a good program. We haven't really played in a while. Yeah. Uh, I see a bear, which I'm, I'm thinking might be Mercer. Um, oh, I'd love that. That'd be good. Free state. Um, Eagles. I'm guessing Florida Gulf Coast. Probably. Um, FAU. I see a snake. That's FAMU. Isn't see... FAU the Eagles? No, no, Owls. they're uh, Owls. Owls. What about Owls Conference schools? What about UNF? They are Ospreys. Ospreys. So that could also be. That could be them. It could be them. They could use them. I doubt this. that. I doubt emojis differentiate between a bald eagle and an osprey. It could be, a, it could be Boston College. Boston College as well. That's oh, true. Man. That's true. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. There's a, there the one that I really want to know is there's an emoji where it's a shrug, a shoulder shrug. So <laughs> they don't know. <laughs> it's an open date. College baseball coaches <laughs> message Coach Mole if you want to play USF this year. There's one open date apparently. Uh, um but yeah that's all we got for today um really good to get back together with everybody and record another show and uh we look forward to doing that again soon